Andre Boyd is of the Barbados national team, New York Islanders, and the Baltimore All-Stars. Thanks for listening to Half Court Press Podcast. This is Patricia Wright-Alexis, former captain of the Trinidad and Tobago hockey team, and you're listening to the Half Court Press Podcast. You're listening to Euclid Mahon on the Half Court Press Podcast. The New York Islanders are a hockey club based on the east coast of the USA. Having been around for close to five decades, the club was originally founded and organised by those from the Caribbean islands, an influence which still drives the club today. In this series, we find out more about the New York Islanders from those involved. Theo McLeod talks to a variety of hockey personalities who have coached, played for and generally been a part of the West Indian hockey community in New York. This is Andre Ferguson of the New York Islanders and you're listening to the Half Court Press podcast. So welcome back to the Half Court Press podcast. I am sat here with another legend of the New York Islanders, Andre Ferguson. How are you doing, Andre? I'm doing fantastic, doing fantastic. Yes, Andre, can you tell us a bit about yourself and who you are and uh, where you come from and your involvement in the New York Islanders, please? Sure, sure. So um, I'm originally from um, Trinidad and Tobago. I have uh, I migrated to the U.S. Uh, back in 1988 um, after playing youth hockey back in uh, Trinidad um, and uh, joined the Islanders on my arrival here. At that time, the club was uh, the club was originally two separate and distinct clubs. So when I first came in, I joined the New York Field Hockey Club which was a club originally um, formed by some uh, German expats back in 1938. Um, the club uh, eventually had, was infiltrated by some Trinidadians that migrated in the 60s. Um, one in particular is Harold Cox, who was a former um, Trinidad national who played uh, for Trinidad in the Pan Am Games when Trinidad won the silver medal in the 60s. There were some other uh, expats as well from Trinidad um, uh, Squeaky Hines and a few others. Um, with the with more migration in the seventies, people like my my father Owen Ferguson and my uncle Rupert Ferguson also played with the club during the seventies and eighties during their times coming to and from the U.S. and Trinidad. So when I joined the club, New York uh, field hockey was a really established club in what was never Northeast uh, Field Hockey Association which at that time had two divisions with uh, probably about 14 to 16 clubs, uh, primarily men, there was no women's league. Um, Each team had its own home venue and uh, New York Field Hockey Club was based in Westchester um, at a college called Manhattanville College in Westchester. Um, And we would play our home games there and we would play the other teams. Some of the other teams at that time was Greenwich Field Hockey Club, which was primarily uh, English expats. There was uh, New Jersey Field Hockey Club. There was Rye Field Hockey Club, again, another German, uh, English expats. Then uh, there were a couple uh, teams from Pakistan. Um, so there was, a, there was a lot of hockey to play. And at that time we played a combination of turf, grass, uh, but primarily turf. Um, and then over the years, uh, as we had 
individuals come and go from the club, there was a decline in, in membership. So at that time, we had a really solid club. And uh, we actually won the league at that point. We had, but we had limited numbers, but we had some really good players at the time. In fact, our main player at the time was Rawl Cox, who played for the U.S. in the 84 Olympics. So and we had... Is this, still part of, is, this, is this still part of the original New York? This is, this is part of the original New York Field Hockey Club. Okay. Yeah, Raul Cox, who was the son of uh, Harold Cox, one of the original Trinidadians of the club. Um, Raul played uh, for quite a long time for the U.S. Um, Raul's brothers also were part of the club, and they were really active within the club. In fact, he had uh, Keith Cox, who's, who's deceased at this point. He was also a member of the U.S. team. Larry Cox, who also played for the U.S. at the youth level and at the national level. And then their other brother, Keith, who, who was a big part of the club, but didn't play for or didn't represent the U.S. at that time. Um, we also had a few other um, expats from Guyana, primarily um, Jeremy Roberts, um, Brian, Brian Hope, Ian Nicholson, that all joined New York Field Hockey Club at that point in time. And uh, we had when you all turned up at New York Field Hockey Club, who were the original members? Who were the pre-existing club members? So uh, the Cox family was was a really big part to the club at that point in time. So you had four members of the Cox family actively playing. Um, Harold Cox, who was alive at that time, was around, but he wasn't actively playing. Um, then their uncle was a part of the. Uh, he was the the manager and the stalwart that held the club together at that point in time. His name was uh, Ozzy Elborn, who has uh, since migrated back to Trinidad. But um, he was uh, the, the main glue for the club through the years, the early years that I arrived uh, in 88, uh, through the early 90s. Am I, am I right in thinking that there was, in the original pre-existing New York team, that there was a Germanic influence? Yes, yes. The original team was basically, it was mostly Germans. By the time I arrived in 88, uh, there was only one that was still around the club at that point, at that time. In fact, in 88, we celebrated the club's 50th anniversary and we had a tournament. That was my first introduction to the team, actually. Um, and he was around. Yeah, if you ask me his name right now, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, he, was, he was just the, the only member, I think, still around and uh, still, still um, able to show up. But at that point, obviously, he wasn't playing anymore. So, um, so the, the, but, original, the original New York team would have started then in 1938? Yep. Okay. Yeah, definitely. 1938 was the original, um, the original formation of the club. Uh, when, when, when was the change? How did the change from the new, original New York Kilt Hockey Club start to move towards the New York Islanders? And, and so New York Islanders... Uh, well, Islanders at the time was a club that was uh, primarily made up of uh, expats from Barbados and Trinidad. And they started in the 70s. Um, and it, they were part of the league uh, mm -hmm. along with New York Islanders. It's two separate distinct clubs. And, you know, we had our internal rivalry, of course, as being two heavily West Indian teams. Um, in the 90s, as I was explaining before, what teams were undergoing some challenges in terms of membership and, and, and getting uh, um, enough people to play. So Islanders at the time, 
was the club who actually started to introduce women into the concept of playing for, in the league. Because up to that point, there was no women's league. The women that did play all were part of the Islanders team. And Islanders played with a mixed concept. Um, so as we both had challenges uh, for numbers, um, Nigel Travosa, who was originally a member of Islanders, had come over to New York um, during that time when he was uh, playing for the U.S. national team for the 96 Olympics. And um, through his influence of having relationships on both sides, uh, he was, I would say, instrumental in orchestrating the merger of the teams because he was the one person that had that relationships on both sides because um, he was a long-standing member of Islanders and at that time joined New York uh, and was with New York for like two years up to that point. So, so as both teams were strong, sorry. That's all right. Um, so I spoke to Euclid uh, Mahon a few days ago. Yeah. And so it sounds like he was part of the original Islanders team. Correct. And you were part of the New York team, which was different at the time, but you you both there yes. doing the amalgamation. Yes, yes. So we were part of, and, and the way how we started doing it, there was uh, one major tournament in, in, um, in New York at the time, which was the Port Jervis tournament, which was uh, ra- run by the New Jersey Field Hockey Club. And um, that club, that tournament was the premier tournament in the U.S. at the time. And we experimented with the merger uh, in that tournament. Um, in that tournament. Um, uh, that was the first time we did it, and it would, turned out to be really successful. In fact, we won the tournament with, a, with the merger of the two teams. So we decided to explore it some more. And, and that's when we, uh, in 96, 97 is when we started down the road of merging the two teams. Um, at that point, uh, Euclid was the president of Islanders. Um, our president of, at the time was a gentleman called Wayne Spear Bartholomew. Um, I, I was the captain of the team at uh, the time. So there was a committee that was put together and we had a meeting of the minds and eventually went the way of merging the two teams. So you merged properly for the 96-97 season. Yep. Uh, what was, you mentioned the tournament beforehand which you won. Uh, what, what was the name of that tournament and what year was that in? It was the Port Jervis tournament. Um, uh, no, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the, the actual year of the tournament, but it was, it was in the mid-90s. Mid-90s. Yeah. But before 96, presumably. Yes, before 96, yes. Okay. Um, and what, when you amalgamated, when you merged together, where, where did you start playing? What, where was you where, based? We were still based in New York. So by that time, the league had shifted from a concept of each team having its home team to just having one centralized, one or two centralized locations that we played all our games. So uh, at that time, we played in the Bronx and in Queens. That's where the, where the games were centralized. We as a team practiced in, in Brooklyn and in Queens. So we were based around Brooklyn and Queens as a team, which is where most of the players lived at the time. 
in the, during that their mid nineties. The Islanders you mentioned had um, were entering a mixed team uh, into their into their league into into their into the predominantly men's league. The Islanders were playing with a with a, with a mixed gender team. Yes. Um, after the merger, after the amalgamation, uh, how how did women's ho- hockey develop for the New York Islanders after this? Yeah. So so just just prior to the merger, um, the women were able to to gather enough strength to start down the road of of, of a women's league, um, and it was primarily primarily due to the women from Islanders that that concept began, and we were able to have a small much smaller than what, what the men had at the time. The women still continued to play in some capacity because we initially started off with two teams um, because we thought we had enough to, to field two teams. So we had an A and a B team. Um, but at the same time, uh, the women's league started off at that point slowly, but eventually picked up steam later on. Okay. And how's the women's team doing these days? Um, we don't actively have a women's team in the league. The women's league has um, diminished in some capacity from its heights of probably 10 years ago. So currently, we, the women that we have, have, most of them have moved on to brighter and better things, uh, obviously, um, as, as, as family and other things get in the way. Um, but what we still have is a team that we put together for tournaments. So we do have a group of women that when there are tournaments that we travel to, like we go to Barbados, um, to play in the in the Barbados, um, what was formerly the Banks Festival, it's now the Barbados Festival. Um, we go there. We can take a women's team, and then here in the tournaments like the Miami Cup, um, and there was one in Tampa where we, uh, or the Atlanta Cup as well, too, where we take uh, a women's team there. And, and for the and the men's team, how many men's teams are you building now? So right now. We have two men's teams. We have the main team that's based out of, I would say, New York. However, over the years, uh, including myself, a lot of people have moved away from New York. The league is still primarily in New York, but we all have kind of dispersed all over. Uh, there's only a handful of guys that still lives and reside is, resides in New York City itself. Um, we joined forces with uh, the team out of Bermuda that was looking for a host team to help them come to the U.S. to, to expand their um, hockey playing opportunities. So we embrace them and uh, we added them as part of our team. So what we do is we, we include them as a second team in our league and uh, we help supplement them if they if they can't field a full team. And we give them opportunities with us as well if they, need, if they want to come in to play with, the, with what we consider the... We don't have an A or B team. We just call one team orange, one team. Is this the Bermuda Islanders I've been hearing about? Yes, correct. The Bermuda Islanders. That's what so, you're hearing about. Yes. So is that like a sister club? Is that? Um... Yes, you can call it that. So, so there, there is. Uh, my understanding, there's really no active league in Bermuda. So they, the, there was one gentleman that was looking to um, expand the playing opportunities for the, the the young guys in Bermuda, and he was reaching out to teams here in the U.S. To, to see if there's any teams that would be willing to either come to Bermuda to help them to play with them, to give them some tutelage. Um, and eventually it came to us and we, we, we had some long discussions with him and uh, with them. And 
we gave them the opportunity to come and be part of Islanders. Uh, we're about three years into this experiment, and so far it's been, it's, I would say it's been a successful one, um, where they come and they play in the league, and uh, once a year we go we go to Barbados, to, to Bermuda, and play uh, sort of a mini tournament with them, where we spend a weekend and we play a couple of games, um, which which has helped them immensely. So they, they, they play as your, as the, as the B team of the, or the, or the reserves for New York. Yep. Under the New York Islanders. Correct, yes. Branding. Yes. Um, yes. So they play as New York Islanders, not, but not Bermuda. Correct. They play as New York Islanders, yes. Okay. Um, so they come, yeah, they come up and we just act as the host team for them. They play under our banner, but as much as they, as much as they can, they try to utilize most of their players and we just help supplement them. Because it's expensive to bring a team of 16, 17 guys every weekend. They try to come up. We, tr we try to schedule their games maybe twice a month or so. So they'll come up with 13 or 14 players and we'll supplement them with subs. All right. So, 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 so they come over, they travel over from Bermuda to uh, New York fortnightly. How many games yeah. do you get that weekend? Yes. Uh, we try to get them two games a weekend. So, that, yeah, so they'll play. Uh, so yeah, so we, yeah, exactly. So we normally play games every Sunday. Um, so they'll come, normally they'll travel in Saturday night. We'll get them two games and they'll head back uh, Sunday afternoon. It'd be, it'd be absolutely knackered on the Monday for work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm 34 now. My, my ability to play two games in a weekend is diminishing quickly. Um, do any of, the, any of them get played for your for the first team for the A team? Yeah, definitely. But well, we we try to give them as much opportunity as possible. So there's definitely a couple of players that um, we we highlight and we bring them up on the on the first team. Um, but then it depends on how many games they have, right? Because we don't want to, again, uh, diminish their opportunity. So if they have two games, having someone play three games in a weekend is a little tough. But um, we definitely, if, if, they, if they only have one game, for example, we would bring in a couple guys to give them more playing opportunities. What effect, it, what effect has this had on the Bermudan national team? Um, that's still up for debate. Um, <laughs> we haven't actually seen them. Uh, in any major tournaments yet, but most of the players are relatively young. I would say mostly teenagers, early twenties. So I would say in 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 another two to three years, if they continue uh, along this vein, I think they'll have a really good nucleus of players that they can um, utilize for international duty. It's all about exposure, isn't it? It's all about playing opportunities and uh, ex exactly. I think playing opportunity exposure to uh, a different style of play um, than they're used to. Uh, I think it's definitely, uh, it's been eye-opening for them because you look at when they first got here and when they were first exposed to some of the European expats and their playing style, which is something that they've never been exposed to. It was eye-opening. And eventually after the first year, I think they started to acclimatize to the different styles and, and the results started to show and they started getting much better results as, as, as the time went by. Talking about styles of play, are there differences between playing styles uh, among, uh, within the Caribbean nations, amongst the Caribbean nations? 
I would say to some to some extent, um, especially over the years, just looking at it from afar. Since I've been here for quite some time, and I can see it when I go back, I feel <clears throat> Trinidad has a much more diverse style because a lot of their players have been abroad. Uh, at least the players that have been representing the country in the last 10, 15 years or so have all been abroad for some period of time. So they've been exposed to different styles. So they, they have a much more fluid style to their game where they pass the ball more. Uh, I think the, the typical West Indian game is a lot of individual type skill, which is much more reminiscent of, of the the Asia block teams like Pakistan or India, where it's focused on individual skill more so than team concept. Um, so there's a lot of skillful players. I would say uh, sometimes at a detriment of the overall team structure, but the individual talent is phenomenal in the Caribbean what in has, general. What has Quan Brown brought back from, from Europe? And, and that's, that's exactly why Trinidad I feel has been different from the other Caribbean islands, especially his influence. He has um, exposed a lot of the, the, the players, the national players to different styles as those guys have gone to school and, and played extensively in the UK, in, in other parts of Europe. Their exposure to those different styles have, have translated to a much more team-based structure on the Trinidad team. So I think Quan has really elevated Trinidad's game. And, and the success on the field has translated with, with um, them being in the World Cup on, on the uh, indoor level and, and having much more success on the outdoor, outdoor level um, in Pan Ams and other, other uh, events. Um, but that, all of that is primarily due to his influence and, and the influence as he's had by exposing, exposing other, some of the other younger players to some of the different styles in the UK. It sounds like a little bit of a melting pot. Um, yes. Yeah, especially with the New York Islanders, the, it's um, people from all over the Caribbean, um, Jamaica, Trinidad and Tobago, uh, Barbados, Bermuda, coming in. Yeah, do, 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 in training sessions, in matches, do, do you challenge each other with different, these different styles, with these um, varying levels of awareness and participation? How yes, I, you know that's 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 an interesting question. I would say, um, from a from a from an islanders standpoint, we have definitely benefited from the diverse styles that we have received over the years. As I as I said, the primary West Indian style is a lot of individual flair, and um, that in itself is primarily the way islanders played. Over the years, as, as, as a lot of us have been in, in the U.S. and then been exposed to some of these uh, European styles and, and Australian styles, we have changed and we, we've definitely migrated to more of a team concept. But um, it, it, it's, it's, it's a team concept that still has a, a tremendous emphasis on individual talent. Would you say it's been a, a largely positive experience? It, it's definitely been a positive experience, I feel. Uh, which which is translated not just on the hockey field. I think some of my, personally, some of my closest friends are all all over the Caribbean. Um, just like in meeting someone like Andre, if I had, if I was in, in Trinidad, I would never have had the friendship and and the long lasting friendship that I have with him now. Um, but 
the team in general, as we have expanded our relationships from on the field to off the field, where it's a, it's a real family concept on the Islanders team. Um, and we, we have expanded beyond just the Caribbean where we've embraced, you know, uh, primarily Americans. Uh, we have guys from Canada, from Europe as well, that are considered to be part of the Islanders family. So um, we've definitely expanded our reach to outside of the Caribbean to anyone that's willing to be part of the family. They say Canadians and, and Americans are these ethnically European Canadians and Americans. Um, you would say so. Yes, I would say so. Yes. Yeah. It's 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 been uh, it's 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 all it's all over. Definitely ethnically European. Um, but there is um, in Canada. Uh, you would say. I guess it's more European. Yep. I think in what came out of the Pan American series when I spoke to Kelly uh, Daniel Canadian, she was she was educating me on that the game is based part, at least partially on Asian migration. So second generation yep. uh, Indian Pakistani migrants, Punjabis, who play, who've got Canadian nationality but, and then therefore get into the national team um, as well, as, as well as the obvious sort of Anglo-Scottish links they have over there. Yeah. What do you think of the concept of a West Indies style na national team for hockey? Uh, I think that's that's a question that has been broached in many sports, not just hockey. And and there was that concept years ago. In fact, my my father played with what was considered a West Indies uh, football team um, back in the sixties. But it's something that I feel because uh, each team has its own identity, it would be a really tough ask to uh, to actually make that a practical solution. Um, I feel each team will think on their own merit. They can stand on their own. And as a result, I, it would be a good concept in in theory, but I think practically it may not work. Well, in, in the UK, well, well Britain, um, the, it's a unified Irish team, so purely, purely in Britain. Uh, England, Scotland, Wales, they play um, Commonwealth Games separately, World yep. Cup, uh, Europeans are played as individual home nations. And then for the Olympic Games, we come together, uh, Pro League, we come together, play as GB. Yeah. Um, do, do you think something like this could work? Um, you know what? In, in in theory, it could and it should, but for all practical purposes, I think when you when we look at cricket in the Caribbean, cricket is on a different level um, in the social structure, and it's one of the few things that still is tied to our our part of being a British colony. I think every other sport we have that own individual identity as the country and most countries continue to that that's that's mentality so it will be a tough ass to sit, to come to come together as that team it, it, for all practical purposes it's, it really sounds like a good idea and it probably will be the most um viable solution for uh, overall lasting success because you will gain on the strengths of each individual country there's as as a as a region 
we have a great wealth of talent. Some countries have more than others. And as a region, we probably will be able to stand a little bit more uh, securely on that talent as, as when you look at some of the other world, um, world hockey playing countries. But I think it's, it's a concept that uh, has never really gotten any legs. And I don't think it, I don't think it ever will. Um, in terms of, I find that interesting. We're speaking about the, uh, the culture of hockey uh, in the West Indies and the colonization. It sounded like you were su su suggesting that because of the social and anthropological and colonial history of cricket as a sport, especially during the time of colonization, that's, it's, that's become more established uh, regionally than other sports have. Yes, uh, definitely, because I feel that was the one sport that um, was popularized during that period. Um, and there is a regal atmosphere to cricket that the other sports never really had. But the other sports were able to grow and, and, and prosper under the individual nationalities. So as, as that growth occurred, it would be almost going backwards to say, well, let's go to a regional concept, as cricket has. Okay, that's 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 a very nuanced answer. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's very interesting. It's a perspective I don't have been, and more of a European who's never been to the Caribbean. So, um, yeah. oh, thank you very much. Um, with the New York Islanders, what have been the recent uh, recent history? What's been the recent history? What's been the recent successes? recent challenges, how does that compare to historical successes and historical challenges? Um, I would say that New York Islanders as a team has had mixed successes. Uh, in the league, we haven't translated to having much, uh, a lot of great success in the league itself that we participate, which is NEFA. Um, we have had greater success in tournaments. Um, some of the local tournaments, they're not as large. Like I, I would say right now, the most popular tournament in the U.S. is Cal Cup, California Cup. Um, we've never participated in that as a team, but we have participated in like the Atlanta Cup, which we have won um, a couple of years ago. Um, there is uh, the Tampa Cup, the Miami Cup, which are all smaller tournaments and. Uh, I would say not on a high international level um, as hockey has kind of floundered in the last couple of years here in the U.S. because of uh, field availability as a lot of schools have moved away from the actual AstroTurf to field turf. We found that there's a lot less fields available. So you've had diminishing returns in the, the amount of tournaments that are available over the last couple of years. So um, it's more of not so much not being able to be successful is a matter of not having the opportunity to be successful because just just not that many playing opportunities as they used to be in the past. Um, historically, the cl both clubs were very successful um, in the past, but the league was different then. 
Um, again, New York Islanders won the league. New York won the league. Islanders won the league um, in the past when it was a different setup. Uh, what, what, the last... what was the league called then? It was still called the same thing. Uh, it was still called New York uh, Northeast Field Hockey Association. But at that time, the league was much larger. There was uh, almost there was two divisions, and it was really uh, expat based. Uh, so most of the teams relied heavily on expats. So there was a Dutch team uh, where the likes of like Bovalanda and and those guys would come over and play in the league. Um, on the Pakistani side, Shabazz and some of the other Pakistani nationals that played for uh, PIA would come over and play in the league as well. So it was really an international league back then, I would say in the early 90s. Now it's it's more heavily based on U.S. grown players, um, even the the Caribbean players that I hear are have been here for a considerable period of time and, and actually reside here, um, and not not just like ex, literally expats that are just coming for work and then returning. I think some of the the British-based teams are still have, still have that concept where a lot of the the players come in they're here for a couple of years and then migrate back home, but. Uh, there's a lot of teams now that are based primarily on U.S. U.S. grown players. There's been a big push over the last couple of years um, that's been instrumental with a few few stakeholders along the East Coast to really drive hockey or, or hockey playing amongst boys. So there's a there's a web there's a Facebook page for boys field hockey that really strives to reach out and and, and show boys U.S. boys that uh, they can play and there's an opportunity to play. Um, is that the so, uh, sorry. So, who's who's driving that forward? Is that the, is that the local federation? Is it? It's 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 through the local federation, um, but there's a number of people involved. Um, Kathy Schiller, she was the one person primarily starting it up because she was looking for opportunities for her son to play, um, and since then he's represented the U.S. at the youth level. So she reached out that anyone that she saw, she saw boys playing or men playing, she would uh, put pictures on the, on the Facebook page and, and try to get as many people aware of the Facebook page to really expand boys hockey. They have grown so much now that they actually have a team that plays in the league as well. So there's been some expansion there on the youth level. Uh, that's, that's one of the, I think, struggles for us as Islanders in that we have depended primarily on immigrants coming in from primarily the Caribbean, but immigrants from anywhere else, because there's very few opportunities to get homegrown uh, U.S. players to actually be interested in the sport. I suppose that leads on to, on to another question I had was, is there, is there a youth team at New York Islanders? No, unfortunately. I mean, we have a few younger players. I would say, when I say younger, they're mostly in the you know, early 20s. Again, these, were, these are primarily migrants from, from Trinidad, from Guyana, from Jamaica, um, to say that we have uh, primarily um, American players. We have very few and far in between. Um, that same woman I referred to, Kathy Schiller, her son Dean, originally started playing and was part of our team. And then as as they started expanding that boys 
hockey concept. They formed a team and he joined that team to help grow that team. Um, but there, there's very few opportunities to get younger players. I think it's just the competing interests with all of the other sports that are available here in the U.S. And the primary concept is that field hockey is viewed as a women's sport in the U.S. So to convince a 13, 14-year-old boy that, hey, you should play field hockey, it's a really hard ask because in their mind, that's a girl's sport, not a men's sport. How, how does that that masculine attitude towards sports, that, uh, or that juxtaposition between masculine and feminine entity within sports, how does that compare to the culture in the Caribbean or Trinidad and Tobago? So, so Trinidad again still has, I think anywhere outside of the US, once you step even in Canada as well, hockey is viewed as a men's sport. And well, as, as, a, as a dual sex sport, then. There, there is a huge um, appetite to play the sport because when I was in the Caribbean, for example, the, you had different seasons. You had the wet, the dry season. During the wet season, you played soccer or football. During the dry season, you played field, you played field hockey or you played cricket. That was the primary sports. And everybody did that. Here, I think because there are so little opportunities for men, let's say on a co- uh, collegiate level, right? So even if you do get boys playing at high school, a lot of parents look at what opportunities do I have for my son to go and play the sport in college? And there is none. So, so that's, that's the challenge. Um, and, and then you also find where the boys that do play in high schools, some of the high schools make it even tougher for the boys to participate. So they make the boys wear skirts or kilts, right? And most boys are just like, all right, I'm not wearing a skirt. So um, that dissuades a lot of uh, interested boys from playing. So um, in the Caribbean, it just doesn't exist. It's, it's, just, it's a regular sport. Everybody plays it. There's no, there's no concept that it's considered a woman's sport. It's a sport that everybody can play, both men and women. Uh, specifically with the New York Islanders, what, have, what is the club, the team, what has it added to hockey in the New York area? What has it added to hockey in the USA? What has it added to hockey in the Caribbean? So I would say from a, from, a, from a New York standpoint, obviously it has given individuals like myself the opportunity to continue the sport coming in here in the U.S. So, uh, and we've continued that for, uh, well, obviously since I've been here and going forward. Um, I think as far as the New York area, um, beyond uh, the reach for Caribbean and a, and a few other countries that we're familiar with, people are, I think once someone comes and they're part of the club and they're part of that family structure, then our tentacles reach out more and we, we make ourselves more available to, to different cultures. But outside of the hockey playing, the hockey playing population, uh, no one else knows that we play field hockey. I think we play, we play Columbia University. We may get some, um, some some passerbys that would look and say, hey, what's that? What, what are you guys playing? But beyond that, uh, we've never been able to get our games televised or even advertised in the newspaper or anything like that. It's just uh, solely the passion and the opportunity for probably people who played previously somewhere to continue playing the game in the U.S. Whilst you've been involved with the New York Islanders Hockey Club, 
who have been the best players that you've played with, who have been the best players that you've played against? All right, so that, that's, a, that's a really loaded question. So there's been a lot of good players that have played with Islanders in some capacity, some capacity or another. I would say one of the most influential for me has been Raul Cox, um, who, again, when I, he was playing with the U.S., represented the U.S. in the 84 Olympics. Um, some of the other players that have gone past the club too has been, you know, and uh, they, they continue to play today, so still some of my compatriots, but Jeremy Roberts, uh, Sammy Roberts, both from Guyana, um, Brian Hope from Guyana. Um, we've had a couple of Dutch players that have played with Islanders as well. Um, Martin Jensen, he's from, uh, he's from Holland. Uh, he's, he was a huge influence. Um, we've had other players that passed through as well. Juan Brown played for Islanders whenever he came to the U.S. Um, in fact, I think the first time he was introduced to the club, probably he was like 15 or 16. Um, and we still consider him as part of the family. Um, uh, Kenny Pereira in Canada, who's probably have uh, one some of the most caps for Canada. Uh, he's still considered part of the Islanders family as well. He's, he played with us in a few tournaments. I've played extensively with uh, with Kenny um, in Cal Cup and other places. Um, Johnny D'Souza, he played for Canada as well. Um, playing against, I would say, uh, playing against Bovalanda, the most eye-opening was playing against Shabazz um, in my early times in, in NEFA. I would definitely say, uh, as far as who is the best player I've played against, it was def definitely Shabazz. Uh, hands down, he was more than a handful to play against. I met I met Kim Pereira in, in Hong Kong actually a few years ago. Yeah, he was. I think he came. I think he came across with a is a veterans is a veterans indoor World Cup. He was playing. He was playing. Um, good player. Nice guy. Yeah, he is. He's an extremely extremely good player. Um, uh, and we've known each other um, from the early playing days. We've played with and against each other going back to the early 90s. Um, and as someone I consider a good friend, um, that that Hong Kong uh, World Cup, the U.S. team did play in that. I, I unfortunately wasn't available to make that, that trip, but I did play in, um, in Barcelona in the Masters World Cup recently, a couple of years ago for the U.S., and uh, there was there were some fantastic players there uh, uh, that we played against. Uh, some of who I can't remember their names, but it was a great experience. Uh, now that now the the Masters scene is exploding, not only here in the U.S. but I think across across the world, where the Masters World Cup is really a, a big thing. So we were on tap to go to to go to uh, South Africa this year, um, and I was going to be part of that team. Um, which was actually supposed to be this month, but obviously through COVID it was canceled. So right now I'm in the you know I'm heavily involved in the setup for the Masters um, team from both the outdoor and indoor um, teams. So uh, hopefully there'll be more opportunities to meet some former former high level players. But uh, I would say uh, you know as the Masters as the Masters feel like you continue to grow, there'll be more and more playing opportunities. Who have been the best coaches that you've worked with at New York Islanders? Um, 
the one person that stands out, uh, he was a former coach back in Trinidad. His name is Morton Verasami. Uh, he was in, heavily involved in, in hockey back in Trinidad. And when the most success we've had when we were at New York Field Hockey Club, the coach was Morton. And uh, he, he was extremely knowledgeable on the game and how to utilize players in, in, in different ways. And also, I think he was one of the first Caribbean people, Caribbean players, hockey players around, who was able to embrace all of the different styles. Um, not just, even though we were, you know, he's Trinidadian, and, and we, at that time, I don't think we had the the European influence as much as we've had now with, with Quan, but he was able to embrace the different styles from all of all of us from the Caribbean. At that time, we had, uh, again, uh, players from Guyana, Jamaica, Barbados, Trinidad, we had one guy from India. We had a couple of guys from um, that were U.S. based, and he was able to to get a cohesive team from those varying styles. Last question before I let you go: um, What do you think of the FIH Pro League? Um, I think it's fantastic. I think it's a great opportunity for for players. Um, I, I I would like to see it expanded to include and give opportunities to some of the um, lesser hockey playing countries. Um, obviously, it's, it's, it's a good avenue just to view high-level hockey on a regular basis. But I definitely think, again, it's just, it, it seems like it's empowering the, 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 the powerful already because it's giving the powerful more avenues to play and get better. While I feel like the World League, which they had before, was very helpful in, in bringing the opportunity for those other playing other uh, hockey countries to showcase their abilities as well. So if you had, if you ask me which one I prefer, I think the World League concept I, I embraced a lot more. So you would you would prefer to have the uh, World League and just promote and televise that better? As, yes. As per the Pro League is being done so, done with now. Yes. Yes. Definitely. Because I feel now you're just you're just empowering those that are really powerful. We already know they can play. It's great to see it. Um, but then you're creating even a larger uh, uh, um, void between those top countries and and the other countries. Andre Ferguson of Trinidad and Tobago and the New York Islanders. Thank you ever so much. Thank you very much, man. This has been a Half Court Press production by Teo McLeod.